Okay. The house stayed clean. The dog almost died. That's because he was whining at night when I was trying to sleep. But it's, it's just been a crazy week. And you know what? As a husband, this is one of the first times that Cheryl's ever gone away for any period of time. And I've been left. I can usually handle one night, two nights. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. A lot of confidence. No big deal. But six days was a stretch. And so the reason I'm telling you this is because it's going to tie into the message. But I, I realized as a husband that I, I didn't appreciate what my wife does. I've seen a bunch of elbows going. Just I didn't appreciate it until I got into what she was doing and I started helping. And then I had to do it myself. You follow me? For years, we've had this ongoing battle of me trying to tell her, why can't you do more during the day? Why can't you get this far? Why, why is the house not clean? Why have I worked all day and had to come home and then help wash dishes? Right? Because as a man, I don't want to work all day and then come home and wash dishes. Right? Can we just be a little real this morning? As a man, what do we want? We want to come home. We want to sit in the recliner. And we want to get the TV, the clicker, and we want to what? We want to relax. If you, at the, if you were at the marriage conference, we learned that we all have boxes and only the men have a nothing box. So when the men get home, they want to get into the nothing box. And nobody can come into the nothing box, okay? Uh, that's a freebie from the marriage conference. But, so, but I, I learned what I needed to do to better help her. Follow me? Instead of pushing her, which is something we learned at the marriage conference, but because I'm, 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 a, I'm a drill sergeant type of person, it's my personality, and I just happen to have the, the physical ability to go with it, and so it's a deadly combination. I can push people to do things, and so my natural tendency is to always drive and push and push, and it's all about production, and, and so I was doing that with my wife, and it wasn't coming out good. Amen? There's many times she said to me, I'm not your concrete crew. You can't push me like this. And so what I learned was by getting and taking her place, I learned how now to help her. And so now I can help her instead of hurt her. Are you with me? So, ladies, that's your excuse to take a week vacation and go somewhere. Okay? If you don't take it, it's your own fault. But this morning, I want to talk to you about remaining faithful is the title of my message today. Just to remain faithful or remaining faithful. And I want you to go with me to the book of Jude. Actually, if you go to Revelations and you turn back to the left, one, one book, it's Jude. There's no chapters. There's only verses. Jude, we're going to be in verse starting in verse 20. Remaining faithful is what I want to talk to you about this morning. So Jude verse 20, here we go. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them, say snatching, Snatching them from the flames of judgment, show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. 
So he's speaking to believers here and he's saying to him, he says, but you need to do something because in the last days it's going to get crazy. Things are going to get chaotic. You're going to get all kind of crazy people around here to try to lead you astray. There's going to be scoffers. There's going to be people trying to cause division. That's what the whole book is about. It's about people trying to cause division in the church. You need to be cautious, but at the same time, you can't lose your ministry. Are you following me? Because a lot of times we want to be cautious and we think that caution is getting out of the situation. Right? Thank God firefighters aren't cautious. And they don't like that. And they don't take themselves out of the situation. Right? What do firefighters do? They run into the flames. Right? With caution. Are you hearing me? And so Jude's talking to these people and he's saying, he gives us about seven things that we really need to, and I hope you write these down. And number one, he says, I want you to build each other up in your most holy faith. That means we need to be constantly building each other up. A good question is, is when's the last time you encouraged somebody? Or is it just about your encouragement? Because you see, if we're not careful, all, we, all we're interested in is our encouragement, right? I wish I had somebody to encourage me. It's all about us. When's the last time you took off with an intention, intentionally, to encourage somebody or to build somebody up? When's the last time you've done that? So he says to build each other up in your most holy faith. Sometimes it's encouraging. Sometimes it's sharing with people what you've gone through and maybe sharing some things that God showed you or how God's shown up in your life. But you use those things to build each other up. And the second one is, is he says to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means you have your normal prayer, but then you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, Right? We call that praying in tongues, and you might disagree with me, but that's, honestly, that's praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can take up a lesson another time, but Jude's saying, he's saying, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. That means constantly, we need to constantly be praying in the Spirit. Number three, he says, wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In other words, you need to be anxiously waiting for Jesus' return. When's the last time you thought about Jesus coming back? How many of you thought about this this week? You actually had that thought of Jesus' return. Really? I got, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm surprised. Oh, the, <laughs> there's a sign? Oh, y'all. Let's see, y'all, y'all, y'all cheated. I didn't see the sign. <laughs> I'm ready for Jesus to come back. <laughs> But when we, when we forget that Jesus is going to return, what do we do? What do we become? Complacent, lazy, lackadaisical, un, unintentional, unmotivated, right? Listen, Jesus can come back now. Nobody knows the time except God is what the Bible says. So he's saying, he says, you need to be anxiously waiting for the Lord's return. In other words, you need to be living in a way that Jesus just might show up any minute. You remember how it was when you were a kid, when, it, when your parents left you and they went to eat or they went to the store. You went buck wild with your brothers and your sisters in the house. You see, I was a single kid, so I went buck wild by myself. But you always kept the window open to see when they pulled up, right? Because when they pulled up, you had the old shoots in you. Oh, shoot, let me fix everything real quick and put it back together and act like I'm being a good kid. Right? Jesus can return at any time. And we need to live that way. 
And then he says this, number four, he says, keep yourselves safe in God's love. The, the Bible actually says it in Jude. He says, he says um, in this, in doing these, these three things before this, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. Now, we all need safety, right? We need safety in God's love. He's saying if you, if you build each other up, if you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're anxiously waiting for the Lord's return, he says, then you will keep yourself safe in God's love. Now, what do we need safety from? We need safety from, number one, the enemy. Number two, ourselves, our own fleshly desires. Amen. And then from others. Right? We need safety. Safety's found where? In God's love. And then number five, he says, to show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. In other words, you need to be involved enough with other people to see them slipping. Right? We need to, we need to be such a bond and such, a, and such great fellowship that we, we, know, we know when the other person is slipping. I need to remind you of the book of Acts, or in, in the beginning of Acts, when the, when the believers came together. Remember, after the day of Pentecost, the 3,000 were saved. What did they do? They were so excited about what God did that they built this holy community. They, they didn't, nobody had to schedule it. Nobody had to plan it. They started selling their possessions, their goods. They gave this, the Bible says there was nobody in need. And they had a great fellowship, a great community. We're not supposed to lose that. Amen? We should have the same thing now, but some of us, come on, let's get honest. Some of us want to kind of tiptoe to the side, right? Because we don't really want you to know us that good yet. Right? We're hiding something. Or maybe you're ashamed of something. That's really probably pretty foolish, but it's something that the enemy's held over your head and made you think that it was a bad thing, right? So it says, show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. And the sixth thing he says to us, he says, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. That word snatching literally means to seize hastily or abruptly without permission did you hear that? Without permission. How can you go snatch somebody without permission if you don't have a relationship with them? Hmm? How can you do that? How can you just run up to some stranger and snatch them out of a bad situation? I know a guy, he comes to this church occasionally. His, his body is literally messed up because he was in the front of a grocery store years ago and this, this car got away from the person and was about to hit this kid, and he ran in and pushed the kid out the way, and the car hit him. He snatched that person without permission. <laughs> and I bet her parents, and, and she's probably saying now, thank God. Are you with me? So snatching is to, is to seize hastily or abruptly without permission to transport away. We need to be looking out for one another in such a way that when we see the other one slipping, we kind of grab and say, hey, man, hold on. Hold on. Look, 
It, it, it don't look, and you, you don't have to do it like me, okay? That was a bad example. Just, the Bible actually says to do it gently, <laughs> okay? That's my weakness, but so take everything I say with gentleness and kindness, all right? But you snatch them back. There has to be an excitement about it, amen? But we need to know where the other person is. And so that's the verse I want to key on this morning is that verse snatching them, watch this, from the flames of judgment. We need to be looking out for one another in such a way that when we see somebody wavering or slipping, that we go and we snatch them back to keep them out of the flames of judgment. I heard a story the other day. There was this very large man that had a, a, a very serious uh, sweet problem. He loves sweets, and, and uh, it's not me. And, and he, was, he had this bakery that he went to every morning. And every morning, faithfully, he went to this bakery, and they always had his favorite. And so, man, he's this large guy, and he realizes he needs to do something about it. So he decides instead of going that direction to go to work every morning, he's going to go another direction. Right? We've all tried that before. The problem is you can't get away from McDonald's. There's a McDonald's on almost every corner, right? And so he drives a different direction. It goes on for a while, and everybody in the office kind of notices, you know, he's not coming in with this big old bagel or whatever it is his favorite was. And, and so a little bit of time goes by, and then one morning he comes walking in, and he's got this bagel, and it's about half eaten. And everybody's looking at him like, come on, man, you were doing good. And he's got this big old smile on him. He says, this is a miracle bagel. They were like, huh? So yeah, it's a miracle bagel. He said, this morning, I accidentally drove by the bakery. And on my way in front of the bakery, I said, Lord, if you want me to stop, make there be an empty spot and parking spot in front of the bakery. And I'll stop. He says, so you're not going to believe this. The eighth time around the block, I found an open spot and then I went in. It's a miracle bagel. <laughs> How many of you have been there before? Come on. But somebody needed to look out for him. Amen. Somebody needed to snatch him. He needed somebody to run up in that bakery and say, hey, oh, time out, Bill. Come on, man. Let's go this way. Amen. I got a buddy. He was struggling with alcoholism. He was he's a believer. He was discipling people and and he was a closet alcoholic, a very bad one. And one day he's at the store where he always stops and he's buying his alcohol. And one of the young guys he was discipling walks into the store. And he's got the bottle of alcohol. And he tells me he's ducking behind the, 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 the aisles. He's trying to dodge the guy and he's watching where he's going. And he's, he sees him and he pops up on the other side. Hey, man, what's going on? And he has this quick conversation with him across the aisle. And then once the guy slips out, my buddy purchases his alcohol and goes on. What my buddy needed was somebody to walk in and say, hey, what's going on? You know what the problem was? Is that he was hiding it. The problem was is there was nobody close enough to him to know what was going on. To snatch him from the flame. Are you hearing me? Now, he's since been snatched from the flame and he has, he has accountability. Now he has people that are looking out for him. But he needed someone. You see, in this, in this community that God wants us to have, we're going to learn things about one another. 
Amen. You have the privilege of learning things about me because I usually tell you from the pulpit. I usually air my laundry here. And you laugh and I go home and cry in embarrassment and can't believe I said this or that. But we all need somebody watching us. Amen. So I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 14. I want to show you an example of a fire snatcher. Someone who remained faithful to the people God placed in his life. I want to share with you the story of Abram and Lot. Genesis chapter 14. It's the story of Abram and Lot. You remember the whole story of Abram before he became Abraham. God spoke to him, pack your bags and leave. And he did. And Lot, his nephew, took off and followed after him. And this has been, this is somewhere in the middle of the journey, I guess. Chapter 14. And right here in this in this these verses is, is where we find ourselves where in, in chapter thirteen, Lot and Abram's shepherds and their and their workers start to fight with one another because they're fighting over land for their cattle and their, their goats and all those their livestock, okay? And so they have this big fight about who's going where and who's taking this land, who's taking that land, there's not enough for us. God had blessed them to this point, and the Bible says they were both actually pretty wealthy, Abram and Lot. They were blessed because they took off when God said to take off. And, and so they're, they're wealthy at this point. They have a lot of livestock and they're fighting over the land. And so Abram comes to Lot, his nephew, and he says, pick any land that you want. And so Lot looks around and he goes, that's the best. I'm going here. And so he moves his family and he goes there. And then he, the Bible says that he actually moves just outside of a city called Sodom. Let me show you what the Bible says about Sodom. In chapter 13, verse 13, it says, it says, but the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. This is where Lot moved to. I personally believe he moved to New Orleans. It's my personal belief, but. So he moved just outside of New Orleans, but he's still affected by these people. So he takes his land and he goes there and Abram takes his land and he goes here. And so Lot's living outside of this city that is called extremely wicked in the Bible. And he's there and Abram's where he is. And all of a sudden these kings start fighting. The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah start fighting with some other kings and they have this big battle going on. And we pick up the story in verse 12. Actually, verse 11, it says this, the, the victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food and the food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. Lot chose this place, right? Lot chose to live there. He, it was his decision to go that direction. Abram gave him the, the free right to make his own decision. He makes the decision, I'm going this way. Now, the Bible doesn't say if he went that way because Sodom was there. But the Bible does say that he moved just outside of the city. So he, he chose his own direction and he went that way. And he gets around all these extremely wicked people. And I want to give you another verse in the midst of this. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says that bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. 
Now, I've dealt with people in the past, and I've actually told a few people that I love real dearly that they shouldn't hang out with other people. Just as a pastor, as a shepherd, I, I look out for people and say, you do not need to hang out with those people anymore. Well, why not? Because they're bad company, and they're going to corrupt your good character. It's not that I'm trying to run your life. It's not that I'm trying to do, you know, get in your business. It's just that as a shepherd, I see that that's bad company, and it's going to corrupt your good character, and so I want you to be careful. Are you following me? Bad company corrupts good character. So we've got to be careful who we hang out with. And I've heard questions like, well, Pastor, how are we ever supposed to reach people if we don't hang out with them? Jesus sat and had supper with somebody. Jesus sat with sinners and tax collectors and all those. But those weren't the people he spent all of his time with. Are you hearing me? And also he was Jesus. <laughs> and you're not. Amen. So you're supposed to reach the loss. I'm not saying put up a wall that you can't ever talk to somebody. I'm saying, but you got to use caution. Right? Because bad company corrupts good morals or good character. And so Abram lives there, and then all of a sudden this war breaks out, and everything that he owns gets captured and taken away. His family, his workers, his money, his food supplies, his livestock. He loses everything. Now watch this. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to the Mamre, uh, the Amorite. Mamre and his relatives, Eskol and Aner, were Abram's allies. Verse 14, when Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued uh, Ketelamur's army until he caught up with them at Dan. Then he divided his men and attacked during the night. Uh, Ketelamur's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. Verse 16, watch this, Abraham or Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and others captured. Abram loved his nephew Lot so much that when he heard that what had happened happened, he, he all of a sudden takes all of his resources. The, the Bible says there's 318 men from his own household. Wow. 318 from his own household. He takes those and mobilizes them and then all of his allies and they go chase down. They go to what? Snatch Lot from the flames. Lot was headed for the end. He was headed for destruction. They weren't going to keep him. They weren't going to make him a king. They were going to destroy him. They were going to rape his women. They were going to use his men. They were going to become slaves. They were going to spend his money and eat all of his food. And Abram, because he's a fire snatcher, because he has that type of attitude that I'm not going to be just settle while one of my brothers or one of my people slips away, he mobilizes everything that he has and he goes after those people. And he chases them down and he conquers them and he brings everything back, the Bible says. How many people have I seen slip away out of the kingdom? How many people have you seen slip out of the kingdom? I've gotten on my knees and begged people before. 
please don't go this way. Please. And they not listen. And they just go down that path. And it hurts, right? It hurts and you do everything you can. When somebody that you love is hurting, what do you do? You drop everything. Right? It doesn't matter if the Super Bowl's on. It doesn't matter if you're going on a deer trip. It doesn't matter if the fish are biting. You take off and you go help that person. Right? You snatch them from the flames of judgment. You see, as the body of Christ, we've got to look out for each other because let me tell you something. There's nobody else looking out for you. The world thinks you're crazy already. They think you're weird. But we need each other to look out for us, right? Thank God Lot had Abram. (laughs) Amen? I thank God that I had people in my life that when I was slipping, they pulled me back in. I thank God for the times people have come to me and says, man, you, you got an anger issue. What do you mean I got an anger issue? <laughs> See? You know I can snap you in half right now. <laughs> You've heard us talk in the past about giving each other refrigerator rights. Right? How many people actually have the right to walk into your house and open the fridge? People that don't belong in your house, that don't normally live in your house, do you give them rights? See, there's people that come to my house, they don't even knock. When they knock, they get rebuked. Why did you knock? Follow me? As believers, we need to give each other those rights. That's the only way you get to know when somebody's struggling with alcoholism, somebody might be struggling with bagelism, they might have a bagel problem. I used to have a bluebell problem, right? Somebody must be praying for me because nobody's leaving bluebell at my house anymore. But we all need a fire snatcher in our life, right? We need somebody looking out for us. You know God never intended for you to do this by yourself? God never intended for you to, to walk this life called Christianity by yourself. If you're trying to do it by yourself, let me tell you something. You're deceived and you're heading down a road of destruction. Amen? We need each other. And I I promise you this, the older I get, the more I realize how much I don't know. I mean, I'm getting dumber and dumber. I'm realizing I need more help than I've ever needed before. I need others. I need people in my life. Abram mobilized everything he had in his arsenal. He used all of his resources. You know what? You might not be the best counselor there is. You you might not be the person that can help a friend of yours walk through something traumatic or something very hard. But you know what? You might have resources. You follow me? I've got resources. I've got Jennifer as a resource. She's connected. She's a counselor herself, and she's, she's going through this inner healing ministry thing, and And she's also connected with other people who have resources. And so if I can't help you, then I'm going to use my resources to help you. Amen? I'm not a professional counselor. I do hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I do hear God speaking to me. And he has given me a word for people from time to time. Amen? But if it's too much for me, I'm going to pass you on to a resource. Right? Because I want you to get better. I want you to have hope. I want to keep you from the flames of judgment. 
Go with me to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to skim through a few verses real quick. I just want to show you something that the New Testament says about helping each other out. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 17, Hebrews 13, 17, the Bible says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. See, I love that verse. You need to underline that. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Underline that. Highlight that. Some of you don't find that funny. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy. Give them reason to do this with joy. Give them reason to do this with joy. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. The Bible says that you need to listen to your spiritual leaders or your spiritual authorities. I'm not the only spiritual authority in this house. I've got leaders who are discipling other people and you may be under their spiritual authority. You need to listen to them. And the Bible says to obey. Some other translations say obey and submit. The difference between obeying and submitting is when you obey, you can obey, you'll do what they say to do, but you'll do it with an attitude. You don't agree, but you're going to do it anyway. Right? But to submit means that you just, you say, okay, I don't understand. I got these bad feelings, but I'm just going to go ahead and do what they tell me. It's kind of like when you tell somebody, you need to be careful hanging out with that person. Well, I don't understand. I don't have time to explain it. You just need to listen to me. You say, oh, okay, I, I respect your authority. I, I, I trust you. Because you see, submission and obedience equals trust, Right? It equals trust. Some of us have not done what God said to do because we don't trust him. You see, when we walk in fear, it says that we don't trust you, God. Right? We don't trust you. That's what you're saying to him. You're saying, I don't trust you. When you don't listen to your pastor or your spiritual authority, you're saying, I don't trust you. Right? Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. You know what I've learned this year is that I'm going to be held accountable to God for you. You know, that scares me. Because for some of you, you you do this with great joy. And for others, we do this with a lot of sorrow. Amen? But I'm looking forward to the joy. And I'm not giving up. Why? Because I'm going to be held accountable. And secondly, because I love you. And I'm looking out for you. And I don't want you to go into the flames. Amen? I've said to people before, if, if you don't let me pastor you, then I really can't be your pastor. If I don't ever know what's going on in your life, if I don't know that you're struggling in your marriage, I can't help you. If you hold things a secret, then nobody can help you. Amen? You've got issues that you're struggling with. If you don't ever open up and tell somebody else, then you're doing this by yourself. 
And see, that's how we start to waver and we start to slip. Is that the enemy comes and he tells you that what you got going on behind closed doors is so bad that nobody can help you. And that when they find out, they're going to reject you. Right? That's the fear is that we're going to be rejected. I smoke, I smoke cigarettes and oh, I, I, I dip. Oh, you know, I can't tell Pastor Jamie I dip. It's funny, Pastor Bubba went to a wedding a couple, well, several months ago, and he walked in, and a couple guys from the church, well, they didn't think he was showing up, and they're all sitting around the back just sipping on a beer. Pastor Bubba walks in, and he goes, Pastor Bubba. <laughs> but how many of us do that all the time? Right? Somebody with any kind of spiritual authority gets around you, and what do you do? Put your mask on. You dress yourself up. You're polite. You're nice to your wife. You're nice to your wife when Pastor Jamie's around. Look at me. I'm guilty of the same thing. When Pastor Bob comes around, I'm holding my wife a little more. I'm, I'm nice to her. And we may have just gotten a big old fight, and she's like, she's flaming. She's like, throw for me. I'm like, no, Pastor Bob here. Can I just be real this morning? But the enemy says, no, it's too bad to tell somebody. Pastor Jamie, he's, he's, he's too mean. He's too aggressive. He's too drill sergeant type. He's, he's not your kind of pastor. He can't help you. He's uneducated. He pours concrete for a living. How can he help you? Come on. You know how I know what the devil's telling you? Because he's telling me the same thing. You pour concrete for a living. You can't help nobody. Come on. I'm your pastor as much as you let me pastor you. And I've told many people, God can use me in your life to the degree that you let me be used in your life. Amen? That goes for me. That goes for my wife. That goes for my leaders in this church. If you don't ever let somebody help you, then how can they ever remain faithful? How can they ever become a fire snatcher? How can they ever help you if we keep things a secret? Right? A couple of verses more and then we're going to close. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6. Chapter 6 verse 1 to 3. It says this. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently... Underline that, I did. And humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Friday afternoon, I had the opportunity to uh, kind of letting my other two kids go sleep at a friend's house, all right? Because I, I can't tell you the last time I've had a free man's night, all right? And so I called up Doug. We needed to spend some time together in discipleship and all these other kinds of things. And it was a good excuse to go out and eat and, and do something. My wife said we had a mandate, but that, that don't sound right. But anyway, it was it was all good. And we so we went out, and I'm, I'm in the process of looking to buy a new truck, and so we went truck shopping, and my tendency is always to get the best. You know, my budget may say 
30,000, but my, my flesh is saying 50,000. Forget about the budget, right? So I think mean, I'll bring Doug with me. He's not a Ford man, so I'll get a good perspective. He's a Chevy man, so I'll get a good perspective. He won't try to persuade me into anything. And so we start off in this truck that costs about $40,000. And, and two trucks later, I'm sitting in a truck with air-conditioned seats, mind you. I mean, he turned the air-conditioned seats on. I went, whew. I almost said it. I thought I wet my pants. I was like, but it was cool. It's got navigation. It's got leather. It's got a sunroof that I've never used. It's got all these great things. And I went, Wow. And then Doug Pazza goes, you brought the wrong person shopping with you, bro. You see that part of the verse where it says this? <laughs> Share each other's burdens in the same way. Obey oh, Right before it says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. <laughs> Good thing we left. And I didn't end up in a truck because my wife would have came home on Saturday and killed me. Amen? But we got to look out for each other. we got to know each other's weaknesses, right? You see, we spent time together. I learned one of his weaknesses. It's very similar to mine. So I know we can never go truck shopping together. Right? And it's actually not good for me and him to go eating together. Right, Doug? Because we sat down to eat crawfish, bald crawfish, and it was... Four that a four four pound special, so we were going to each get four pounds and maybe get a third fourth pound to split, giving us six pounds. He says, "So what do you want?" <laughs> like I was going to answer the wrong way. He says, "You want to split one or we each eight? He goes, "We'll take two two trays of four pounds." And when we left, we were miserable. Okay, so we don't go eating together. But you got, you got to be careful you don't fall into the same thing as other people. Amen. Now, that's a silly way of saying it, but you follow what I'm saying. But, but God takes great pride in people who are willing to go and snatch others out. Amen. He's excited about that. He's looking forward. That's part of his plan. One more verse. James chapter 5. Verse 19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. You know, I didn't I didn't appreciate my mom until she died. She, was, she spent the last few weeks of her life in a coma. Started out in a semi-coma, and she would, we could kind of talk a little bit. And I was sitting with her one night in the hospital, and I, I, was, I was laying there, and I was repenting of, to God for how I treated my mom because all these things just came back, that how rotten I was as a single, single kid with a single parent, and I just tore up. And so I got on my knees on the side of her bed, and I said, Mom, I don't know if you can hear me. I said, but I want you to know I'm sorry. And I need you to forgive me. And I said, I want to tell you, thank you. For all the times that you kicked me. For the time that you backhanded me leaving the church parking lot. For the times that you punished me and you wouldn't let me go here and you wouldn't let me go there. 
for not letting me have a girlfriend until I was way into high school. I was the only guy. I didn't have a girlfriend. Trust me, I liked girls, but I didn't have a girlfriend because they were all scared of my mom. I said, thanks, mom. And I'm thankful for Pastor Bubba, who's told me the truth about myself. He's half my size, and he's, he's the only man that's ever dealt with me about my anger issues. I'm grateful for that person. Why? Because they kept me from going into a certain death. Amen? We all need people, right? And the reason God put all of us in this room and in this building and, and led you to be a part of this church is because there's people here that need you. And there's people here that you need. Amen? So let me go through it one more time, give you the seven, and then we'll wrap this up. He says this, just going back, he says, build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. Keep yourself safe in God's love. Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. In verse 7, he says, show mercy still to others, but do so with caution, hating the sin that contaminates their lives. If you ever find yourself hating somebody because of their sin, then you've got a heart condition. You need to hate the sin and not the person. Amen? Can you stand up with me this morning? God wants us to remain faithful to one another. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The question is, is are you sharp this morning or are you dull? Are you waiting around for people to rub on you or are you actually trying to rub on somebody else? Are you always in need of sharpening or are you actually going out and looking for people to sharpen? That's the question. Where's your heart today? Where do you find yourself today? In this place, where do, where do you find yourself? Have you been faithful to the other believers God's put in your life? Or honestly, have you not even thought about them? It's okay. Wherever you find yourself today, it's okay. You can change. Have you been too proud to let other people help you? Have you been too closed off? Is your wall too big and too strong now to let anybody else in? When's the last time you shared a weakness with somebody? When's the last time you've gone to somebody and said, look, man, I need some help, man. I got, I got this problem. Amen? Why don't you look at the person next to you and say, I need you. Now look at the person you didn't want to look at and say, I need you. Lift your hands to heaven this morning. Father, we pray right now, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you, you've given us other believers to live this life with. Thank you that your word says we need to build each other up. We need to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need to, to be anxiously waiting on the day of your return, Lord Jesus. But while waiting, Father, we need to find or stay safe in your love. And we need to, we need to help others. And we need to encourage others and have mercy on others, Lord. And we need to be fire snatchers, Lord. We need to not hold people's sin against them. But just as you've treated us, we need to treat others, Lord. 
Help us as a church to be others-minded, Lord. Help us to be anxiously waiting to sharpen someone else, to build someone else up, Lord. Help us to open our lives up and to be transparent, Lord. Help us to find safety and security in your love within this church. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the example you gave us of Abram and, and Lot and how, Father, Abram dropped everything to go and save his brother, to go and save his nephew, to go and save someone that he loved. Lord, help us to have that same attitude towards one another. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for all that you've given us. Seal this word upon our hearts, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I got one announcement to make. We have the Arise Conference coming up.